This is the Stuff I Heard podcast, and I am your host, Josh Peak. I just redid my intro music. You guys give me some feedback and let me know what you think. Um, I also have created a website, stuffiheard.com. Uh, click on it. Uh, kind of peruse around. If you click on the episodes, you can see the episodes that I've been able to move over. Uh, give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. All right, thanks. All right, so we're here at the Apocalypse with my brother, Alex. Say hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. So Alex and I uh, have been playing around with the soundboard today because uh, apparently there's uh, 50 ways to leave your lover and also 50 ways to wire your soundboard so that the stupid phone works through it. Um, but yeah. And we have also figured out that is why sound engineers get paid lots of money. Because they are worth it. Whatever yes. they're doing is worth it. Um, I also figured out this past weekend that, uh, you know, you, you hear those commercials uh, advertising for Squarespace, you know, be like, it's so easy, even I can do it. And you're like, okay, sure, let me give it a shot. Apparently, it's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> All those commercials are misleading as shit. They're getting paid good money to lie. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure it's easy for, for some people. Um, it was quite an endeavor. I started working on that thing. Uh, Friday after work, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, uh, Monday after work, uh, all day Tuesday, and then this morning. So, but now it's up is and running. Like a, is this like a, another version of, like a newer version of GoDaddy where you can build your own website? Um, well, GoDaddy, I think, was just to secure domain names. Oh. And I don't think that they did websites, even though they may. I didn't actually look into that. Um, but they may, especially nowadays. Um, but no, Squarespace, um, like there's a thing on there for getting your own domain. And when I looked it up, uh, stuff I heard was available in everything, including .com. So I went ahead and got .com. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's actually, uh, it's not that, that expensive to get, uh, um, a website going just depending on what you want to do with it. And I think people undervalue the idea of having a website, something as simple as stuffiheard.com, because there are obviously plenty of things out there where you can build your own free website. You can do it through Google, but then your website would be google.com forward slash sites slash stuffiheard slash question mark equal sign. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the, but the benefit of being able to have something like stuffiheard.com is not only great for just the easiness of finding it and you know certain when you search for it but also advertising and marketing and all that yeah yeah and it's easy like you said it's an easy source to go to and if you use it properly you can send everybody to all of your links to everything um which is what i'm learning to do i'm learning to streamline and um cross reference everything with each other uh, but like you said one-stop shopping you kind of want one place for everybody to go so that's what it is um but yeah I spent a an exorbitant amount of time moving uh, podcasts over to it. And, uh, you know, Anchor, I had originally done mine on Anchor using just my phone. And when Spotify bought them, uh, it must have been about a year ago, I lost a lot of the audio. Like, if you go back and oh, try hello. to listen to the beginning podcasts, they're available on some platforms, but not every one of them. Uh, but some of them aren't even available anymore. They'll only play the intro, and that's it. And I'm like, wait, where where'd the podcast go? It's just gone. And and therein lies, you know, like podcasting is revolutionizing the way we listen to content, but yeah. therein lies the 
the problem with uh, not necessarily a problem, but just one of the downfalls of it being free. Yeah. Because while you're creating free content for people to listen to, when you use a company like Spotify or Anchor, someone someone is claiming property to that company. Unless you're something like a Joe Rogan that is making lots of money. Yeah. You know, off of their podcast. So well, that sucks that that all that all got just lost somewhere. It's out there in the ether. Eh, I mean, people listen to them. Um, yeah. that, that was sort of my thinking when I started doing YouTube versions of it also, cause I thought, well, if I lose the, the audio, at least I'll have the video with me talking. And if I lose the video, at least I'll have the audio of me talking. So it was like a backup, which I've right. heard, I've heard even Joe talk about the fact that they not only do the thing with their microphones, but they have a backup system with, I guess, like a zoom player. They do kind like a zoom like six. Recording all of it. Yeah. Yeah. They'll they'll record it additionally with a Zoom six, um, and then that way they have a backup on an SD card just in case things go haywire with their equipment, which has happened in the past. Um, right. I've, I've heard different people talk about that kind of stuff. Um, you know, in the beginning when I used just my phone, it was fine until it wasn't fine, and then somewhere along the way I started realizing I could record on GarageBand, which for me works better, especially when I'm having conversations with people who may have jobs that they need stuff taken out because they said some inappropriate jokes about, uh, playing, you know, playing in the forest or something. I'm just throwing that out there. Spitball. Yeah. You know. yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Wilderness badger or something. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah. <clears throat> you know, that, that allows me a little more leeway when it comes to, let's take this part out. Okay, cool. I can just, I can find that little sound bite and I can just hit delete, merge, whatever. I could put in a funny sound effect over it. Who cares? But that way I don't lose the whole thing. And that was sort of the, the dangerous territory in the beginning of, of using Anchor just on the phone without hit record and go, I guess I got one shot at this. <laughs> it's like, what if it goes wrong? Well, then it's gone. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And God bless Greg, man. He He's probably done four podcasts with me that got completely gone. That were really good. And, and that just something happened and it just it, it was gone. And we couldn't recreate it. It was just, it was over. It was like, ah, oh, so much good content. It's all gone. Oh, well. But, you know, you move forward and you learn, you, you plan and plot and all yeah, It's that trial kind of and stuff. error and it's a, it's, a, it's a community where you just continue to ask questions and people are, yeah. feel great about giving you answers because you're putting out different content than they are. Right, right. And, so, you know, right now with this quarantine thing going on, I've got nothing but time on my hands, so I figured might as well learn as much as I can and play with it as much as I can. Cause, yeah, and push out as much content as you can. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, the time's going to come around when we're busy again, and you're going to be like, dang, I wish I'd have made more content with that person or spent more time with them. Right now's the time to do right. it. You know. Um, Absolutely. I've enjoyed the fact that a lot of a lot of comedians and musicians and celebrities in general have utilized their social media and they've done live events talking to fans. I thought that's been pretty cool. Yeah. Talking to fans, free concerts. I know mean, like Garth Brooks did one the other night for fans. I mean, I'm not a Garth fan, but, uh, but I thought it was pretty cool that he got on Facebook for half an hour and was actually taking requests and, uh, doing a live show right there in his house. Yeah. I think, uh, Dave Matthews is doing a live show on Twitter tomorrow night for free. Um, that's cool. So it's just kind of cool. These guys are doing these things and, and some of them are only like, you know, half an hour, but any, I think any little bit of respite that, that the general population can get from looking at the same wall for 12 hours is, is great. Yeah. I noticed today, um, on Instagram, I happened to open it up to post stuff and, uh, Tom Segura was on there live chatting with fans, which he's right. normally not a fan person. It's more of a birds thing to do. 
but he was live chatting with people and he's like, cool, man. All right. Well, I got, you know, let me get another fan. And he'd click on it. And he, I was watching him live chat with fans. I was like, Oh, that's so weird. And then Christina runs in the, in the room. She's like, what are you doing? Oh my God, you're doing that. That's hilarious. You know? And then she runs out of the room and then the kids come in there and <laughs> the kids come, daddy, it's time for pizza. And he's like, all right, well, I guess I got to go. <laughs> I was like, that's cool. Um, Jillian cool. Anderson was on there today and she was talking to people. They were, you know, they're because of her show on Netflix, uh, Sex Education, people on there asking her about sex advice. And she goes, you know, it's a character that I play on TV. <laughs> but so she's funny. like, I, give her, give her uh, 30, 30 more years and she'll be, what, what was that lady? Dial, Dr. Dr. Ruth. Ruth, Ruth. Yeah. Late yeah. nights. Yeah. That was just that's so creepy. She's like, I can, I can tell you what I've learned from you know playing this part on the show. She's like, you know. But, but you uh, guys realize, like, I'm an actress. I'm not an actual sex doctor. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. And I'm not really an FBI agent that worked with the on the X Files. Like that was a, that was a character. <laughs> there's yeah. a great uh, there's a great video clip of uh, Ricky Gervais and Ian McKellen talking about that very same thing. Ian McKellen is trying to teach Ricky Gervais about acting, and he's like, "Now, now you understand that I'm not actually a wizard." <laughs> I'm just reading a script and I'm becoming that during that part. But when they yell cut, I'm back to Ian McKellen. Yeah. <laughs> I love Ricky Gervais. Oh man. It's funny. It's a funny skit. I think his, uh, his, was it the golden globes or no, the SAG awards. He's done that and the Oscars. What was, what was the one recently where he just, he just blasted everybody. Oh yeah. That, that was, that was the Oscars. He was invited back for a second time and he was like, well, I'm here for a second time. So you guys didn't get enough. So I'm just going to rip all of you. Yeah. No one cares yeah, about was... your stupid whatever. Just get your trophy. Thank your agent and your God and get off the stage. <laughs> 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 I love it. It was awesome. Yeah. He's he like, was, let's, he let's, let's face it. You, you say you want to be a better person, but if ISIS had, had a channel on TV tomorrow, you'd be like, sign me up. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So <laughs> I've been watching a lot of content because, you know, free time on my hands. Um, right. I've di- I've dived deep into the uh, Disney Plus animated Star Wars stuff. Right. Yeah. So uh, I also have, I've well I've been into the the animated stuff for for years now. You know I, I watched Clone Wars back when it was originally on Cartoon Network, and um, seen all the adaptations and, and all the seasons they've done for that. So I've been keeping up with that one. And then when Rebels came out on XD a number of years back, uh, I jumped on that from the start, and it was incredible. So See, I can't I get enough them. of it. I watched them out of order. I watched Rebels first, mm. which I really enjoyed, especially the last season was yes. phenomenal. The the walking into the stone and being in a place between time and space was head trippy. I was just like, whoa, this is so, so cool. I wanted the whole episode to slow down and like explain more as he was doing it, but it happened so quickly. And... Then, but, but, you know, like I said, I watched them out of order. So then when I started watching uh, Clone Wars, I was like, wait, oh, crap. You know, this, this girl, this, this woman is this little girl in this, you know, and she's, she's Anakin's Padawan. And I was like, whoa, this is a weird, but. So throughout some comics and, uh, and, you know, the shows and things like that, Ahsoka Tano has always been one of my favorite um, force users. I won't call her a Jedi because she's not, um, but being a force user She's just incredible. Her character is so flawed and so cool, and I felt like her arc just went all over the place, and it was so interesting to watch. And so when they brought her back in Rebels, as soon as she entered the scene, I mean, like, I'm sitting by myself in my living room. I throw my hands up. I'm like, yes, (laughs) she's back. There's the scene in, there's the scene, not to spoil it if anybody hadn't watched it, but there's a scene in in, uh, 
in Rebels where she's pulled into the the land the area between time and space where she sees Qui-Gon and he's, he calls her a Jedi Knight. You're right, right, yeah. And yeah, I was like, Well, it's, cool. it's interesting because she, I think she most closely related to Qui-Gon because he also kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, was like the libertarian of the Jedi. I mean, yeah. he, he believed that there was some sort of balance between good and evil and that the Jedi should, you know, mark it somewhere right there in the middle. Yeah. Um, the, the living force, he called it. Yeah. So, uh, and, and Ahsoka kind of followed that same realm, especially when she chose her lightsaber crystals and, and she chose white. Uh, that's supposed to signify that she kind of walks the middle of the line. Like she, she understands that there's gray areas that sometimes you have to navigate. Yeah. So it's such an interesting story, man. And you're right. Rebels. Uh, I think it was meant to be a little bit more for kids, but the story was so good. Yeah. Um, well, and, and Ezra's character is very unique and watching the development of Ezra and, you know, the guy who would train him, that dynamic together was really interesting, especially towards the end, um, watching him step forward into the next chapter of his life. And I was really amazed at the way they did it. I mean, it was like, it was very moving and very powerful. And, uh, you know, when he joined the force, I was just like, I was all weepy and stuff. More, was like, you're watching a cartoon. Yeah. And I was like, shut up. I know. <laughs> it's a moving well, moment. And what's, <laughs> you know, I, I know a lot of, I know a lot of people have bashed, Disney for you know the way in which they did the the this this last this most recent trilogy of movies yeah um and and I'm one of these fans like I don't care if the movie's good or bad like I'm excited because it's new content yeah but um what I was most excited about when Disney announced that they had purchased Star Wars was was the animated content because I thought what you know the 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 amount of crazy stories and yeah. the amount of information they could put out in an animated series because of how much time it takes to develop a real movie, yeah. you know, now you can put out, uh, you know, two and three seasons of an animated series, you know, in a couple of months. Well, uh, I know that the work takes much longer, but you know, well, like I'm on season four of clone wars and you can see the advancement in the, um, animation between one and four of how more detailed everything is. And these battles that go on where there's such chaos going on in all directions. And you're like, God, this is must've taken forever to draw, but also, it's way quicker than if you to try to mate it with special effects in a studio right, with digital exactly. effects. And so, you know, just watching it, I'm like, I'm amazed, but I'm also, it dawned on me, you know, watching this battle go on that I was like, the only way you can show this is through animation. And I mean, that's one of the ways where animation's really advanced a lot and allowed the, the ability of the storyteller to go in places where regular, you know, regular movie making doesn't go. Um, right. But yeah, that's, and that's it, a good point about Disney. You know, Disney does have that background and that and that workforce of animators that can be like, we got this, you know. Right. And and there's already so much content out there, you know, between the expanded universe and, and, and now anything Disney puts out is going to be canon. Yeah. And there's a few things, there's a few storylines that they have taken from the expanded universe, put it into, you know, the Skywalker story and that, well, all of a sudden now it's canon. So um, it's just kind of cool. I mean, like I said, I, I'm all about new content, you know. Whether you like the movies or not, I'm going to go pay, you know, $15 to go sit in a movie theater every time a new one comes out um, just because I love Star Wars. And The Mandalorian, I mean, <clears throat> oh. I got uh, I got my wife's parents to watch it, and I told Dolores, I said, I said, I think both of them will like it. I said, I know that her mom likes Star Wars movies, but her dad's into westerns, and I said, this is kind of a space western, especially with the music and the yeah. way everything's stylized and the gun oh, shows. Yeah. 
the gun that's shootouts. A great point. I never thought about it like that. And but that's he, a great point. He made a comment. He goes, "It is like a space western." He goes, "I was into it, man. That's cool." Yeah. You know? But, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, I'm sure you can appreciate it more now that you've watched Star Wars Rebels, but uh, spoiler alert for, for anybody that hasn't seen The Mandalorian, just close your ears, but that last scene where the pilot crashes and he walks out with the saber, yeah. I mean, I was, dark saber. I, was, I was screaming in the living room, and Michelle, my wife, who hasn't watched uh, Star Wars Rebels, she was like, what? What, what? What's what's with the saber? I'm like, oh, my gosh, so much with the saber. Yeah. So, uh, just, well, but, but a lot of that is explained in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, and, and that whole series having to do with the Mandalorians and, you know, the wielding of the saber and, and all that stuff. I had gone on a deep hole on YouTube trying to learn about it, and they mentioned so yeah. many names that went across in like 28 minutes. My wife was like, you following any of this? I went, nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not at all. I was like, at all. They're mentioning a lot of crap. I don't know what's going on. But I'm going to have to watch the animated series, and that's what got me started watching it. Well, and now the uh, you know now the cool content that uh, or the, the the fun announcement that we just learned uh, Rosario Dawson yes. is going to reportedly going to be the new uh, Sokotano, which is very cool. I'm a big fan of hers. Well, she reached um, out when they were talking about casting for stuff. She reached out and she said, "I would love to play this character." I mean, she was the first one that reached out to them. Well, good for her. And then fans all clicked and forwarded it and, and favorited it and stuff. I was one of them. I was like, "Ooh, that would be a good fit." And I was like, this yeah. is cool. And then as you're watching the animated series, there's parts where she's, you know, I, I'm on season four now. So there's parts where she's older and she does little movements with her head or, or you know, the way she speaks. And I'm like, that, that actually does look like her. <laughs> yeah. It's like almost yeah, like really they modeled does. her face a little bit to kind of yeah. look like her. And I was like, yeah, okay, I could see yeah, that. That'll, that'll be a really good fit. I'll be curious to see how they do her costume. Yeah. And how well, because, you know, uh, Ahsoka Tano is a very, um, when she fights, she, she moves a lot. Yeah. And a lot of twirl, very much like Yoda, a lot of twirling and a lot of slashing and stuff like that. And two and blades oftentimes. How, yes. More often than not two blades. I'll be curious to see how they do that in the Mandalorian. If they do, you know, yeah. they may not. Yeah. Um, cause, cause come Mandalorian time, she, she'll be significantly older. Yeah. Um, just, well, I guess not. Just a little bit older than, than she would have been in Rebels. Yeah, because so, Rebels is supposed to be... Uh, before episode uh, four. Yeah. Yeah, kind of yeah, like right before you see, Rogue One. Because you see yeah. uh, Obi-Wan, and, and he's looking at Luke as a boy. Right. And right, so that's, right, bef- right, that's right, before right. number four. And then uh, Mandalorian the is Mandalorian, supposed to be 60 years after the Empire Falls. Right before Force Awakens. Right, right. So yeah, so she would be significantly older. So maybe she, maybe they won't be having her. But, but if, I also don't know. And also, even though I say she's my favorite Force wielder, I also don't know enough about her race to know like right. how old they live. Like, is she? Are they like a Yoda that lived to be nine hundred years old, or, or a Wookiee, or something like that? Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, she could live to be you know three hundred years old. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But, I yeah. need to do some more research on that. Yep. But it, it's gonna well, be exciting. I, Speaking of uh, binge watching, I <laughs> during the course of the day yesterday binge watched the new mini docu series on Netflix, The Tiger King, <laughs> and holy moly, was that thing wild, man! That that was. Whew, I saw the preview. It blew my mind. I saw the preview, and when the guy goes, he ripped my arm off. I was like, I'm out. I'm not. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was, it, it was nuts, man. It was nuts. I mean, literally. 
uh, thanks to th- this guy's, you know, mindset and, and some other things that were going on, like he was trying to create a reality show and all this stuff. They literally have 20 years of documentation of all these, of all this stuff Yeah. that, uh, oh my God, I mean, it's wild. It is wild. I highly recommend it. There's a couple of scenes that are, that, you know, I wouldn't say graphic, but you're just kind of like, oh man, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is wild. It is, it, but it's captivating. Like you can't, I mean, I'm not normally the type that is able to binge any show. Like I'll watch an episode or two, maybe three, and then I'll, I'll have to walk away for a while. But with this one, I couldn't stop. I mean, as soon as one was over, I was like, all right, ne- next, next show, next episode, next episode. Yeah. <laughs> and before you know it, it's midnight and I'm finishing up a docuseries. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's several docuseries that came out that I wanted to watch. I heard people talk about, and I just like I can't get into it. And this is one of them. I mean, I even looking at it, I'm like, do I need to see Eastbound and Down lose an arm? I mean, really? I'm I'm telling you, you'd be surprised. It's it's I, I do think it's worth it. It may not be worth it to sit down and binge watch, but uh, it's it's pretty wild. It's interesting, and there's uh there's a good bit on on the guy in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, so that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, but, but it's worth watching, I think, but I it is, about, it's out there. I remember when the, uh, the one in, o- in Ohio where they got out and they had to send the, the police officers after him to shoot it, to shoot the tigers. Cause they were running around in the city streets. Right. And, yeah. They, so they talk, they talk a little bit about that yeah. in the, uh, in the show, but, uh, basically it's, it's a feud between this guy in Oklahoma, Joe exotic and this lady down in Florida, uh, Carol Baskin. And it's a feud because she's calling herself a big cat rescue and he's calling himself a zoo, but they're basically both doing this exact same thing. They both have big cats in cages and they're making money off of it. And they're both Um, batshit crazy. She was just more successful. She figured out how to make millions. Yeah. And cause she just, that was one of the big things I thought about you actually when, uh, when they started talking about it because she was one of the very first quote unquote big cat people to jump on the social media train when it first started. So, you know, she was putting out YouTube content before YouTube was big. Yeah. And, you know, she was, she was clicking Facebook as soon as you no longer had to have a college email. Right. Um, and so, you know, she has 10 million followers on her Facebook page. I mean, it's crazy. An early adopter, like, uh, like old, what's his name? Uh, what was the comedian? MySpace. Uh, Dane Cook. Oh, Dane Cook. Yeah. Dane, yeah. Oh, yeah. Another one. Dane, yeah, he, Dane was I the mean, early adopter to social media. They talked about how yeah. when he was on MySpace, he had like 12 million followers and he would interact with fans and stuff. And he'd try to get, I remember I, Bert talking about it and he's like, hey, you need to get on here. And Bert's like, that'll never take off. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That that uh that Burt Kreischer Dane Cook interview is probably one of my favorite Burt Kreischer interviews. I, I that was I found that so interesting and so intriguing. Well the crazy part um, is 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 a lot of people don't know that he was friends with some of the top comedians today, including uh Kevin Hart, you know, and and Louis C.K. I mean, they would hang out together all the time when they were starting off in comedy. And, you know, Amy Schumer, I mean Amy Schumer used to babysit their kids, you know, whenever they would go out and and at one time, uh, I think their cat got a hold of their hamsters and it died. Right. <laughs> so the kids are always like, Amy killed our hamster, you know. 
Well, and what I what I, the other thing that I found to be kind of cool uh, that I you know would have never thought of it is you know like with people like Bert and and Joe they're always putting out content now right I mean yeah. they're like they're they're traveling they're perfecting their craft but you don't ever hear from Dane Cook anymore and it's because he was so successful so early on yeah you know he said in that interview he's like I I don't I don't have to do anything I don't want to do anymore that's right I, I have pl- I have plenty of money I want to hang out with my family and well you know and I, even Joe talks about the power of saying no. He's like, you know, I, right. I, I finally reached a point where I could just tell people no. And he's like, especially with politics, the way the politics have gone on. You know, he had Tulsi Gabbard on and then Bernie Sanders wanted to be on. He goes, then I got all these other people wanting to be on. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. He's like, I just, I just one day was like, why, why do I care? Why, why do you need to yeah. be? He goes, he says, I still can't wrap my head around this stupid thing that I've built that now is bigger than it needs to be. He goes, it's, it's terrifying. The fact that I could influence an election. <laughs> He's like, right. Well, and, 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 and then not only, not only influence the election, but have a large majority of the population wanting him to run for office. Right. Yeah. So well, when you become, you know, with, with the way that podcasts have become, when you're top three in the world and podcasts listen to, I mean, that's, that's well, the influence I mean, that you have, you know, and the main thing I think people gravitate to is, um, just being rational and listening, you know, right. It's a skill that a lot of people don't have. And especially when you get power, because when you get power, all you want to do is, is tell everybody what you think, but he has, yeah. a, he has a special ability to listen to people and be interested, you know, and, and it's so hard to do that. I mean, I think he's done it better than anybody. Well, I think, I think we, as a, as a group of people, We've just forgotten how to listen. We we think that we get into a position of power and, you know, we have to make the decisions and we can't take anybody else's opinion, you yeah. know, because the decision falls to us. And so, you know, we're, we're not going to listen. We're just going to decide and, you know, everything else be damned. You know, I, I'm, uh, I just try to relate it to, to my own field. Um, it was so funny that first year I took over the school that I'm at now as, as head coach and we're in the middle of a game and we come to a timeout. And kids come to the bench, and I said, what do you guys think? And they looked at me like I had just, you know, I, that I had just asked them to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> they were like, what, what, what? <laughs> they were like, what do you mean, what do we think? And I'm like, what What should we, what, what, what would you like for us to do right now? What's going to help us be more successful when we come out of this timeout? And nobody had ever asked them that question before. Yeah. You know, we even in the coaching world, we have a lot of coaches out there that just, you know, I coach, you do. I coach, you play. Right. Now, you're starting to see a trend where a lot more coaches are offering insight from players because at, at the end of the day, one, the game is ever evolving. And two, they're the ones out there on the court. They have a different perspective than you do. Right. So, and they're going to you know, give you I'm, more I'm, feedback than you get by watching it yourself. Right. And so often, you know, when they were younger, freshmen, sophomores, I was always asking those questions. So by the time they were seniors, I no longer had to ask that question. I, they just offered, they just offered solutions. Yeah. And, uh, and it was so rewarding and, and heartwarming to come into a timeout and to have a captain just take over the, the take over the timeout. Yeah. Cause and, uh, and at the end of the day, you need their mindset to be, I know what to do, not I got to right. look to the sidelines. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of a cheesy you know, rhyming one-liner that we always used to say, um, but it rings true. And it, it, you know, cheesy stuff usually sticks in your head. So we, we told them, we said, by the time you guys are are seniors, you know, we don't want you to be coach fed. We want you to be player led. Yeah. And, uh, and man, it was, it it was, it was so 
amazing to just watch that evolution happen. Well, when and, you watch, uh, you, you know, know, I remember watching Phil Jackson on the sidelines of the Bulls games. There's a lot of games. He just sat there with his mouth closed and just watched. Oh, yeah. When they call a timeout, he go, all right, I want you guys to do this. And, and how you feel? You, you got this? Okay, cool. You do that. Yep. But, but these other coaches would be losing their minds, screaming, yelling, jumping up and down, red face. And he's just sitting over there with his legs crossed and he's watching. He's, yeah. he's like, yeah, it's all coming together. All that preparation. Yep. It's cool. all coming together. <laughs> yep. Well, if you, do what you, if, you, if you prepare like you're supposed to, there doesn't need to be any screaming and jumping up and down. Yeah. So I'm sure it's different you know, in, in the lower levels because you're teaching all the time. So that if, right, you, if you've got a lot of you know, high speed action going on, you're like, you have to remind them all that, hey, hey, don't forget this. Don't forget that. You know, look out for the, look out for hey, this. Look and, out for and listen, I, I've, I've coached both types of athletes. I mean, there are athletes that do respond better to the screaming and the yelling. Yeah. Um, I'm not that kind of coach. I do raise my voice sometimes, but I'm not, I've never been in my early years. I would get nose to nose with some guys and, you know, and, and do some yelling, but I, I found that people responded better to just matter of fact talking. Yeah. You know, you know, what, the quickest why, line. Why, why, right. What, what, what were you doing there? Yeah. Well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, obviously what you were trying to do didn't work and it's not something that we practice. So what you tell me what you were doing, you know, <laughs> I always ask so, the question, like I heard that today. I always ask the question of the of the thing that you want ans- that you know the answer to. Ask the question and have them answer it. Right, exactly. Exactly. So I do that. Uh, I do that in my job as as a trainer. I'll I'll come up right. and I go, So what were you thinking was gonna happen there? <laughs> do you do you understand what you did wrong? <laughs> well and, and very much, you know just like you being a supervisor right now, I mean, that's you're you're coaching these guys. Yeah. You know, you're coaching these guys on how to be better professionals. Yeah. And sometimes you just have, sometimes you have to come down on them. Like, listen, yeah. you're screwing up. So well, knock and, it off. And part of the goal, just like, just like with players, part of the goal is teaching them to also be leaders and say, right. hey, listen, there's exactly. times where people are going to lean on you. This is what you need to remember when you talk to them and put it in their mindset of thinking on a different level. Giving them, yep. giving them a little bit of ownership of going, oh, I'm, I'm also really important to this because it's, you know, they're putting some responsibility on me. And you got to have that. I think that's that. an important point. Yeah. Some people are natural leaders and those leaders need to be taught how to lead. You know, we, uh, we've had a couple of situations where leaders have said the, the right thing, but the wrong way. Yeah. You know, like they'll yell at someone and you pull them to the side, like, listen, you were justified in what you said, but if you're trying to lead, you can't say it that way. Yeah. So yeah, those, are, those are great points. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, it, yeah. What you're doing is very similar to what I'm doing in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, any, any person in a position of leadership or a position of influence, that's what they need to be doing. We need to be developing leaders. Yeah. And we need to be developing influencers because, you know, that's what makes the world go round. And not all of these people are going to become leaders of Fortune 500 companies. But if you can just influence one other person, if if all you've done in your life is influence one other person, then you've succeeded. Yeah. I mean, you, you've, you've captured everything that life was meant to be about. Well, I mean, someone else. you know, this is the Stuff I Heard podcast. So Stuff I Heard, uh, Tim Tebow one time, he said, listen... He said, you don't have a choice whether you're a role model or not. We're all role models into everybody we come in contact with. It could be for the good or the negative, but we all influence each other. And he was, he was exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. 
Oh man. So, uh, speaking of influencers, this whole, uh, quarantine has put all school districts, um, teaching from home. Yeah. So, which, you know, luckily Michelle and I were very fortunate. We have both taught online already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, most of your school districts in South Carolina have gone some kind of one-to-one, uh, which means that every student in the district has some sort of technology device. Yeah. Most schools in the South, in South Carolina have gone to a Google Chromebook. It's cheaper. Um, the Google system is easier to use than, uh, and it's free. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple of schools tried out doing iPads and, uh, um, Apple has a program called iUniversity or iClassroom, mm-hmm. uh, where, but they, it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a pay to play. Like you have to pay Apple yeah. and uh, it's kind of a convoluted system and it doesn't cross, uh, you know, platforms very well. And so Google is winning that market because they're free. Their cloud is free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all their systems translate. You can have a, a Google presentation or Google slideshow that, you know, rotates over to PowerPoint. You can have a Google doc that rotates over to word. So uh, it's just an easier system. But uh, but now the transition is trying to get – because teachers are, are good at what they do. They're professionals. They're going to adapt and, and make do with whatever situation they have. Uh, now the challenge is trying to get students to also engage while at home. Yeah. They don't really have much of a choice when they're in the building. When they're in the building, they go to a classroom – uh, they at least have to hear the content, even if they're not engaged. But now we're putting out content in hopes that students are engaging at home and that parents are becoming more involved. And it's it's definitely been um, I won't say a struggle, but it's been uh, it's been different. It's been um, you know an adjustment. And uh, what I love though is that you may have seen it going around on Facebook. This guy uh, put this long post out there applauding teachers, and he said, "I just want everyone to take notice." Now, we haven't been able to get education right in many, many years, but we gave teachers 48 hours no, forty-eight hours notice in South Carolina, and they completely revamped the education system to move to online without help from any politician or, you know, any legislator. Yeah. So maybe next time we decide to change legislation in education, we should invite them to the table. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's been, it's been very, it's been very interesting. It's been very cool. I've seen a lot of great response. Um, you know, I have had a challenge trying to teach physical education online. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it does resort to, you know, just a trust thing. Like, listen, I need you to be physically active. I need you to log it. I need you to understand what you're logging, but I, I, you know, I'm going to trust that you're going to do that. Now, some of them will, some of them won't, um, but the idea that they I'm understand. I'm running right now. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I know I had somebody, I had a couple of couple of students put on their activity log that they ran for 45 minutes for five straight days. I'm like, you don't even run across the gym in my class. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, but it's uh, it's been cool. It's been cool. But, you know, I've, I've enjoyed it. Not something that I would like to do long term. I do like being at home with my kids. Yeah. Um. But, you know, it's very hard to influence people to be physically active from your house. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, but, it's, but it's, been, it's been pretty interesting. I'm, you know, I have a, a suspicion. I don't know any of this factually, but I have a suspicion that we probably won't be going back 
this school year. Yeah. Um, North Carolina has already pushed to May 15th. We have extended to April 30th. And um, if anything, I think that we may, if this thing passes us by, if we're able to flatten the curve like we'd like to, I think that you may see maybe a week at the end for schools to collect materials, mm-hmm. uh, like like those Chromebooks and textbooks and things like that. Um, but I, I think that that may be, I think we may, and I hate it for seniors, you know, that um, they're going to miss the last three months of their senior year. But I think we may be, I think we may have seen the end of this school year in physical buildings. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be changed because of this. There's going to be a lot of small businesses that are affected by this. We're seeing a lot of that with our business being in the food distribution uh, service industry. Um, There's a lot of restaurants, mom and pop places that just aren't making it. Um, Luckily, you know, our facility is is really thinking outside the box and trying to create ways to keep everybody working. Um, Me personally, they've cut me back to a minimum to a, a maximum of 24 hours. They're like you can only work this many hours in the within the week. Yeah, so I am burning some vacation here and there. Um, I'm trying not to use it all up, so I can still take my vacation that's planned in December. But um, but yeah, I mean we're having to adjust, and and you know we have another company in town that's needing help, and we've sent some people over there to help work, uh, which is like a partnership that we've done with somebody, um, and that's helping a lot of people keep working. Um, I just got off the phone with Kyle Hardy. He announced on uh, Facebook uh, today that they have decided to close King Hefe. They just can't afford to keep it open. Um, That's so sad. They've had to let all their employees go. Um, <sighs> you know, they just like, you know, we, we we got no choice. Go ahead and collect unemployment. You know, it's better for you if you go ahead and do that. And he's like, him and Travis and, and Steve are just working their tails off trying to keep uh, tubs going. Um, yeah, I saw where he had tried to put out some... Uh, some uh, tubs, cook-offs, or not cook-offs, but he was yeah. going to try to prepare some meals for people to be able to take on the go. Yeah, and they're doing that. Was, they're still great. doing that. Um, I think they're open from like three to eight, um, make, you know, making to-go orders for everybody. Uh, and then they're planning like meals on certain days. Like they did a, a thing this past weekend with uh, like a shrimp boil, uh, and they sold, you know, Daddy? enough for 200 people for that. You getting called away? No, he's... So, um, yeah, no, that's, uh, and I, and I hate that Yeah. because, uh, you know, gosh, it's just so, it's so tough, especially for small businessmen. You know, like you were saying, a place like King Hefe, I mean, like he, they rely on that day to day influx of people to stay open. Yeah. There's a lot of businesses out there that are going to be forever changed by this. I mean, you know, it's going to hurt and, uh, it is hurting. Um, yeah, you know, it's. I was watching Joe well, Rogan just, uh, talk to Bert. Uh, they had a podcast together. Um, it came out yesterday. I, I started watching it last night and fell asleep and had to finish watching it today. But, you know, towards the end of it, you know, Joe's like, you know, it makes you realize how fragile our system is. I mean, look at where we're at right now. He goes, and if there was a solar flare and we lost our, our electricity, you know, we're even that much worse off. He was like, you know, it's just, yeah, it's so fragile. He's like, but we take it for granted. Yeah. We really do. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I, I even think about um, like our daycare where, yeah. uh, where my son goes, you know, they, some, some daycares out there are backed by major churches, mm-hmm. 
or they're backed by, you know, corporations or things like that. But like our daycare, privately owned, um, they operate on tuition alone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when they had to shut down, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they, they email us every day, you know, keeping us up to date about what their plans are and what they plan to do over the next couple of months. Um, and, uh, and, but they are, they're worried. They're worried. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now we are very fortunate where we are because we do have the ability to teach from home. You know, the state of South Carolina has publicly announced that teachers will continue to get paid. Good. And, uh, and we, we emailed our daycare person and we said, as long as we're getting a paycheck, you'll be getting tuition whether he's going or not, Mm. because those teachers that work there, um, you know, that's how they get paid. Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, but it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's, this is a, this is a really strange time. I never thought that I would, with, with the advances in modern science and medicine, I never thought that I would see something like this in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, I thought we were past it, but well, with, crazy. with the anti-vaxxers, I was really thinking there was going to be another measles outbreak. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, you know, I'd agree with that. That's another, uh, speaking of stuff I heard, that's another great Time Suck podcast. He does uh, an anti-vaxxer podcast. Yeah. And it is just chock full of information. He, I mean, like, like you've said before on this podcast, he, that guy does his research. He knows oh, what yeah. he's He's got a team he of people that are that are fact checking and double checking and yeah. triple checking, and he's like, "I just want to make sure this is right." And then at the yeah. end of every episode, he he has a time where he's like, "Okay, so we we have new updates of this. You know, this is what we found out. This we we reported this, but this is actually, you know." So I mean, there's a responsibility there that he has as well. Um, but he really does a lot of research, and and he must memorize a lot of that because he rattles it off so quickly. God. Well, uh, if you ever watch his YouTube content, he's actually got a teleprompter in front of him. And so he's actually, he does all the notes, you know, writes them all down. Yeah. And then he reads as he goes. He's just very, he's a very good, uh, you know, reader off the teleprompter. And I think that comes back from his acting writing days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you, uh, have you had a chance to watch uh, Bert's new comedy special that came out last week? I haven't. It's around all the time. I don't get too often a chance to watch, you know, well, I watched Content it. Content like that. I watched it. It's good. Um, <clears throat> to me, Secret Time was a little better, just because yeah. of just the the stuff about his daughters was just that. I don't know. This one, this one was good. It was really good. Um, but I just watched Tom Segura's last night, Ball Hog, and OMG, <laughs> <laughs> it's. I watched Tom's last special, Disgraceful, where he talks about building a wall around Louisiana. He's like, let's build a wall, but not around, not, not to keep the Mexicans out. Let's keep those Louisiana people in Louisiana because those dirt people. And he just goes on this tirade about <laughs> Louisiana. And he, he calls it disgraceful because he, t- he tells a lot of vulgar stuff. And he's like, my mom, you know, she's from Peru. And she's like, you know, he's like, my dad gets it. He gets to meet celebrities and stuff. He's like, Tommy, this is okay, man. You're doing good. You know, and his mom's like, oh, Tommy, the, the stuff you say is so disgraceful. And he goes, so I named <laughs> so, so the special disgraceful. And he's like... <laughs> So this one, he, he does he does a lot of jokes. That he's like, my mom would not like this at all. He goes, that's why I'm doing it. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he talks he talks a lot about his mom in this. He talks a lot about a lot of there's a lot of inappropriate humor that that uh, that our mother would be like, oh my god, but like <laughs> your dad would love. He'd be like, this is hilarious. I mean, 
the, he tells he, he's got a, a specific story about uh, the Wu Tang Clan that I thought immediately. I got to call all my friends and make sure they watch this because I got to talk about this with them because it's hilarious. That's uh, awesome. I have to check that one out. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I've been I've been doubling down with podcasts because uh, I've got free time, so I've been listening and watching as much stuff as possible, and also creating as much as possible. Because why not? You know, right? Why yeah. Not? Oh yeah. Um, I did. Yeah. I did get a order of new T-shirts, and I've got one for you. Next time I see you, I'll give you one. Um, oh great! I uh, I didn't want to mail it, uh, you know, because money. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Money, all that stuff. Money. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see each other. You'll get one. Yeah, for sure. You got one of the first yeah, ones. I did. I got I got one of the original V-necks. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are prized possessions. Those are never going to get remade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are way expensive. <laughs> I did like the uh, when you were playing around with logos a couple months back. I did like the alien head. Yeah, the alien cool. head. Uh, the alien head kind of became the new the new logo but just scaled down to two colors. Um, I couldn't go with the multicolor yeah. just cause that runs the price way up. But, uh, but yeah, right, I, I've bet. had fun yeah, playing no. around with yeah, that. Trust me. I, I, I know all about t-shirt prices, man. When you buy, when you, when you shop for the whole yeah. basketball program, it, uh, there's a, um, know. there's a company, uh, that I got these from Greg actually sent me the link, uh, through something on social media. Cause he, you know, he makes band t-shirts for his cover band mm-hmm. 95. Um, yeah, this company called Terminus Tees. They're out of uh, Woodstock, Georgia. Um, okay, they're 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 great quality T-shirts. Those uh those those Gildian Gildian brand T-shirts. Uh, Gideon, Gideon, yeah, or Gildan, yeah, Gildan. Gildan, yeah, yeah, Gildan T-shirts. It's, yeah, that's a good quality good shirt. Quality shirts. Um, I like it. I mean, I got got them and I was like, boy, I hope these aren't cheap. <laughs> you know, I wanted them like no, Gildan's like, a good shirt. Like inexpensive enough to get them, but also not too expensive. And, and when I got them in, I was like, oh, these are actually really nice. The stitching on them is nice. They're comfortable. I was like. Okay, cool. I feel good about this now. You know, I was I was really relieved. And the lady that helped me, um, I think her name was something like Kaylee George or something like that. She was super helpful. She she wrote me back and forth. And she was like, "Hey, you know, th- this image isn't good quality enough for for this. You know, did you want it this color with this color? Or did you want the lettering in this way?" And she went back and forth with me on like probably twenty emails. Like, what about the lettering like this? And she came up with different ideas. And I was like, "Oh, I like that." And and at one point, I had I had actually chosen the white shirts with black writing. And Dolores looked at it and she goes why the heck would you get a white shirt? And I was like, cause it's 30 cent cheaper a shirt. And she goes, do you have any white shirts? And I was like, no. And she's like, why don't you have white shirts? I go, cause I get stains on them. She goes, everybody else too. I was like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so I had to send her a message back. I was like, I'm sorry, can I get those in black with white writing? And she's like, sure. <laughs> so That's I kept awesome. having to go back to this, this lady and she, thank God she was so helpful. She was like, Oh yeah, absolutely. We can do that. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for your help. I, I have noticed, man. Some of the some of the t-shirt people I've dealt with, they they seem to be some of the nicest people because they understand that, like, you know, you're doing some content, and then all of a sudden you want to change your mind, and then you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, the main thing I'm asking people to do whenever they get a shirt is just you know take a picture, put it on social media, or send me the pic, and I'll put it on the Facebook on the uh, on the website. I'm trying to make a fan page and just have people with a t-shirt on, to, you know, kind of showing it off. Well, I saw you had Bernie Sanders repping one. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he does look a lot like Bernie Sanders in that picture, doesn't he? I'll tell you, when, it, when his hair gets going like that, he sure does. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> there's, a, so there's a a there's a guy uh, that I'm Instagram friends with. I don't know how I got to be friends with him. Um, 
he's an army vet. Um, I think he's in, if I remember correctly, Arizona. Could be getting this wrong. Very muscular guy, uh, biker dude. Uh, called Blacksmith Did It is his is his Instagram page. Big yeah. muscular guy. He's always posting stuff about you know Jack Daniels and cigars and. He has a, a series that he did on Instagram where he was doing these, what he calls uh, parking lot creep shots, where he would see a really cool car or motorcycle and he'd take a picture of it and he'd put it on Instagram. He's like, he's like you know, this isn't mine, but he hashtag parking lot creep shots. And he just kept doing this. And I was like, he, he, he's got good taste in vehicles and motorcycles and stuff. And I was like, I like that. So I started, I guess whenever I started Instagram, he did too. And we've been back and forth, like complimenting each other on stuff we've done. And I reached out to him and I was like, hey man, you know, You've been there from the beginning. I said, you know, would you would you want a T-shirt? I could mail you a T-shirt. And he was like, that'd be awesome. I would definitely wear it. And I was like, cool. <laughs> so I got his name and address. I sent him. I sent him a T-shirt. I'm like, hey, that'd be awesome, man. So anyway, I could just picture this giant muscular guy in a, in a T-shirt, you know, showing off the logo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No kidding. But you know, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take, right? That's right. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. That's right. But, uh, but yeah. So, um, I miss you. I mean, I miss you, brother. <laughs> your face and all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to get up there and I'm see now. your, your house whenever things get back yeah, to normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Things get back to normal. If, if there ever is going to be a real, another thing like that again. Yeah. Hey. You can hear that in the background. That's my son getting a towel thrown on his face. Oh. Yelling at me saying, that's not fair. That's a lesson for life. You want to say hey to your first podcast? <laughs> say hey. Hey. Hey, Caden. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next time I'm on, man, I'd love to talk to you some about this carnivore challenge that I did. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like a 30-day thing I did. It was... uh very challenging mentally, not so challenging physically, but super challenging mentally. So we'll have to I like about the, that. I like the fact where you, you wrote me and you're like, I just, I'm having a hard time finding fun and food anymore. <laughs> I know it was awful. It was, I, 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 have, mean, like, I, I never thought that I would get bored eating steak, but man, can you? You're like, <laughs> I guess I have to eat now. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like, it's like a sadness. You're like, hmm. Okay, I guess I'll eat again. Here's, here's yeah, the I steak. Guess, I mean, I'm hungry, so I guess I might as well. Here's another steak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Joe, they did a yeah. thing with Joe talking about it because he did that 30-day challenge, and, you know, the people have asked him since, you know, how did it go? He's like, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it is. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, it, it, is, it is now, since the uh, quarantine, that, is, that has not been the case. Yeah. And well, yeah, I, even, I have, even he said, he's like, I'm not sticking any stupid diet during this. He goes, yeah, I have, I have enjoyed either. chips, chips of plenty, cookies of plenty. Scarlett made a cake the other day. It was oh. delicious. Yum. And, uh, and we've just, we've been enjoying each other's company and, and, you know, a lot of that, but especially a lot when I learned during that whole challenge was food does so much more for our culture than just satisfy hunger. Yeah. It satisfies a whole lot more than that. And yeah. that has never been more evident to me during, than during this quarantine when you're able to sit down with family and, and enjoy a meal together. Well, not only that, but like if you are the preparer of the food, you get right. even more enjoyment because you're doing something for them out of love 
and not just like, especially if you do it out of love and not just allegation, like I'm going to do something cool here and you're going to dig it, you know? And then when they first bite into it and they, they rave, they're like, Oh my God, you know, you're like, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I love that thing with Anthony Bourdain where he, t- you know, he's talking to other chefs and it was in his last series, you know, and he says, you know, what's your favorite thing to make for someone that you love that's simple and they were all mentioning different dishes they make. And they asked him, they said, what do you like? And he goes, I like to do an egg. He goes, it's, it's simple. He goes, but it can be, it can be different. Like when you make it for someone who you care about and you want to show them how much you mean to them, you can do it with an egg. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was looking at, I was well, watching like, it. And my mouth is open. I was like, I want one of those eggs. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like, you just like, you think about all the different ways that, that, that can be prepared. Yeah. I mean, some yeah. people like it fried, poached, over in, easy, uh, over hard. The scramble. marvelous Miss Maisel, um, in the first series, she goes out to dinner with her dad, and they're out at a nice restaurant. And he's like, you know, he said a lot of people don't put enough stock in chicken. He goes, but if you take a simple meal, if you do it well, it's really f- phenomenal. And he he's like, I think I'm going to get the chicken. And the chicken comes and he eats, and he goes, this is the best chicken I ever had in my life. It's so easy to cook, <laughs> but they do it better than anybody. I love this place. And I was like. I like that. That's really cool. Yeah, I want some of that chicken. Yeah. So anyway, all right, man. Well, I appreciate you being on here. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, survive the quarantine and uh, you know, wash your hands, stop touching your face, all that fun stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, it's going to be interesting that that for years a whole generation was brought up with Purell, and then they sort of let that right. thing go by the wayside, and now you know, now it's like. You're harping on your own kids about wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. You know, I asked mom about it. And I was like, you know, so is it important that we use dial? And she goes, no, that was a gimmick. <laughs> and I, was, I was like, why did you say it like that? She goes, all soap works. Just use soap. <laughs> Just like, use soap. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So anyway. All right, man. We'll take care. Um, let me finish this out and then you and I can say goodbye. Uh, thank yeah. you to everybody who listens to the podcast. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. And uh, check out the website, stuffiheard.com. Uh, let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. And uh, that's it. Cue the cow, baby. Uh-huh.